is good. Amen? Uh, I am really excited to be in the house of God today. I just love that. I, I have been told, because I'm normally, uh, I don't really speak that long uh, normally, and I've been told that I've been speaking longer than normal. Um, so if you'd stand, we'll be dismissed. Uh, I, I want to talk to you today. We're, we're, we're in the, the passage of Mark chapter 4, and we're talking about the parable of, of Jesus with the, with the heart and, and the sower that went out to sow. And, and there were those that, that sowed by the, the wayside and by the stony ground and then the thorns and then the good soil. Uh, we've talked about the wayside and we talked about that's the ground that has been trodden over so many times that we really don't even think about it it's kind of like when you're driving home a lot of times you don't even think about what you're, you're where you're going or what you're doing because you've traveled that road so many times and we talked about how to change that how to direct uh, our course is through intellectual honesty and through a soft heart that only comes through a relationship with God. And we talked about the rocky soil, about the things that have in our heart that, that keep the, the word of God from gathering roots to hold strong in our lives. Uh, last week, I, when you guys walked in, I gave everybody a, a, a stone. I reminded everybody it wasn't for throwing at pastors. Uh, but we had the cross down here and at the end of the service gave you an opportunity that if you had something that you were wrestling with in your heart to come and lay it at the foot of the cross and I found two things fascinating about that this week uh, Friday night the youth had a lock in and the youth had a lot of fun uh, we were down here uh, well, we took our turn. Nancy and I took our turn. Got down here at three something, and 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 uh, I decided I would come in here and vacuum the sanctuary because I didn't want to fall asleep. <laughs> and and while I was vacuuming, I, I found something really fascinating. I found some of the stones that I'd given in the pews, and it kind of hit me. Uh, maybe it was because it was early in the morning or whatever. But you know, we can, we can bring the things that are burdening us. We can bring the things that are in our hearts to church. But it doesn't do us any good to leave them in the pew or to take them with us. We have to lay them at the cross. Because the things that, are, that keep the word of God from abounding in our heart, if we bring them with us to church, if we don't leave them at the cross, we'll take them with us. The other thing that I thought, thought was fascinating is uh, my daughter and, and uh, grandchildren were here, and my six-year-old grandson, he, of course, he had a stone, and he brought it down and put it at the cross. And then I heard him right after service tell his mom, he said, okay, I think I'm going to go pick mine back up. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's important that the things that, that, that keep the word of God from gathering roots and being strong in our lives, we not only need to place them at the cross, but we need to leave them there. How many times have we done that? Picked something up, given it to the Lord, and then take it back. So I, I want to talk to you about the thorns today, about casting the word of God or the, the truth 
among the thorns. And, and, and I really, I'm focusing on the heart because I really believe that in the day and time that we live in, God is desiring that each and every one of us be pure in heart. Doing is amazing, but doing without being means nothing. I, I am firmly persuaded that there are going to be people in heaven that have wrong theology. If I looked in and I, and I started sharing with everybody in here, there would be some point about the Christian faith. I'm not talking about fundamentals. I'm talking about differences, whether you know you, you think that it's premillennial or postmillennial or panmillennial. There's a lot of different things about the Christian doctrine, Christian theology that we may have a disagreement on. And, and, and it's okay, you know, when you get to heaven and you find out that I was right, that's going to be great. Uh, but when you but when you you can have those things and and to be honest when we get to heaven I think every single one of us are going to have some things that that we're going to look at and say wow I missed that one and that's okay the things that we can't miss on is Christ crucified that he is the way the truth and the life but there are some things that are that are not not first and foremost, but our secondary or tertiary that, that are our perimeters that, that we can agree to disagree on, and that's, and that's okay. We are going to have people in heaven that, that have opposing views here, and we'll all get straightened out there. But one thing I know for sure is there won't be anybody in heaven that has a bad heart. Because Jesus always talks about having a pure heart. He's more concerned with us having a pure heart than a pure theology. Psalm 42.1 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. David is trying to describe not his mental ascension into the comprehension of who God is and the ethereal aspects of the Almighty, but he is saying that my heart, my passion, my inward being, who I really am on the inside, has a passionate desire to be close to the Almighty. You see, it's the inward person, it's the heart that will keep you through difficult times because our understanding can change but our heart, our devotion, our love that's why in Deuteronomy 6.4 it says Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength Notice the teaching comes after the loving. It's after the commitment. It's after the zeal. It's after the desire. God is looking for his people to be pure in heart. Psalm 51.10 says this, Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. God is looking for those that, that understand that 
that our heart, our inward being must be passionate about following Christ. Psalm 51, 1 and 2 asks the question, it poses this question, who can dwell in the sanctuary of God? Who can dwell in the very presence of God? And he answers it by this, by those who are blameless and who speak the truth from their hearts. Notice it doesn't say speak the truth from their, their thoughts or from their mind or from their comprehension or from their understanding, but it's from their inward being. There's a passionate desire to follow God. God is looking for men and women that have a passion in their heart. I'm not downplaying theology. I, I, I love to study. I, I, I love all of it. I like to, I like to have uh, conversations about it and everything else, but the reality is there are going to be people that know far more about God than any of us in here that are not going to make heaven because they know about him, but they don't know him. And God's interested in us knowing him and it, we know him from a pure heart and it's the pure heart that will get us through not only today but the days to come and Jesus speaks about this this pure heart this this heart that can receive and he talks about it in Deuteronomy uh, or not, I mean, Mark 4. And this is what he says in Mark chapter 4. He, we've talked about the wayside. We've talked about the, the stony ground. And then he's going on and he says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Let's take a look at this passage here for a moment. I want, I'm going to focus on one. There's three things that, that Jesus gives us that are weeds, that can be weeds in our lives. One's cares of the world, the other's deceitfulness of riches, and the other one is the desire for things. Those three things can choke the word. Isn't that an interesting word, choke? Unlike the wayside where the ground was so hard that the seed could not penetrate it and the, and the, and the devil was able to come by and steal it before it could even grow or sprout. And unlike the stony ground where it tried to take root but there were things in their heart that, that kept them from really growing, this is the only one that describes things that literally choke out truth that word choke when you look at when you look at weeds if you want a, a definition of weeds look at the beach in the back of my house that's an ongoing battle have you ever noticed that weeds grow about 10,000 times faster than the things you want to grow What happens is weeds take over and all your plants die. And the reason why your plants die is because weeds are amazing at survival. 
What they do is they take all of the moisture and the nutrients out of the ground and the plants that you want have nothing to survive on. In fact, as the weeds get taller, they even take the sunlight. So the, the, so the plants you want to grow will not grow because the weeds literally choke the life out of productive plants. And Jesus is telling us in this that, that there are three things that, that we need to be aware of in our lives, that, that if we aren't careful, they can literally choke the life out of the Word of God in us. And the very first one that I want to focus on today is the cares of the world. The cares of the world. Now, the cares, you, you, think, you think sometimes that the cares are, are just the things you're concerned with, but in reality, what he is saying is the anxiety of life. Anybody ever had anxiety? I will be the first to admit that I will never downplay anxiety. I know it's real. It kind of goes like this in your head. You know, you're worried about something. You're, 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 you know, you don't know how you're going to pay that bill. You're not, you don't know how you're going to do something, and, and that that worry starts to pop up, and, and, and you calm yourself down. You say, okay, I'm going to do this. And about the time you get yourself all settled, your brain says, hey, let's freak out. And you say, okay. And you do. Anxiety is one of those things that, that the Bible says in the last days that, that men's hearts will fail them because of anxiety. Anxiety is a, as real as anything else. And all of us have had to deal with anxiety at some point in our lives, whether it was over a gradual period of time, whether it stayed with us for quite some time, or whether it was caused by an incident in your life. I know when our, when our oldest daughter was in an auto accident and the police called us in the middle of the night and said, your daughter's been air flighted in. Anxiety gripped our hearts. They wouldn't tell us if she was okay. They wouldn't tell us anything other than your daughter is in this hospital in Sacramento and we had a 35, 40 minute drive and I was driving as fast as I could praying to God a policeman would find me, pull me over so they could give me directions to the hospital. And there's never a policeman when you need. That was a time where anxiety and the whole time Nancy and I were trying to pray. You ever had so much anxiety that it was hard to pray? And you're just sitting there saying, oh, God, make this right. God, make this right. God, make this right. God, make this right. Anxiety is something that is real. That if you haven't faced, you will face because there are some times in life that circumstances are so overwhelming that you cannot figure them out or conquer them or master them on your own. And Jesus said, you've got to be aware of the 
of the thorny weeds that the cares in your life that can, that can rob you of faith in God. See, anxiety sometimes is, is designed as fear, and fear is not the absence of faith. Fear is having faith in the wrong thing. See, fear is thinking that things are going to be bad. Faith in God is when you're trusting in Him to provide. And that's why Jesus said the cares of life, how you're going to live and how you're going to survive and how you're going to get through this situation. And, and the reality is there are a lot of things in our lives that you just don't have the answer for, that you don't have the power to overcome, that you don't have the intellect to think through, that there, it's beyond your control. And if you don't, Watch it. Anxiety can overwhelm you and you'll realize that I am going through this and I feel despair. Cares of what may happen can destroy what could happen. Let me give you an example. Remember when the children of Israel, they go across, uh, they're out in the wilderness for a while, and then they send in 12 spies into the land. And 12 spies go in. And the 12 spies come back. And they said, the stories we have heard are true, and even more so. There are grapes the size of houses. There, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It is amazing. And yet the people are like giants. And there's no way that we can conquer them. In fact, of the 12 spies, two Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that had faith in God. The others allowed the cares of life, the anxiety that, that got in their hearts when they saw what they were up against. Can I speak to somebody? Somebody in here is, is up against something that they're facing. They don't know the answer to it, and, and, and it's been bothering you. Don't allow the anxiety to overwhelm you. Don't be like the ten spies, be like the two. That even though they saw the giants, they trusted in God more than they trusted in what they saw. Because the word of God will always come true. But those ten spies had so much anxiety, so much cares of life, that, that they looked at it and said, we're not strong enough, we're not big enough, we don't have the, the materials, we don't have the armies, we don't have the swords, we don't have the equipment. There's no way that we can, that we can defeat them. And the anxiety that rose in the ten cost Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years years do you realize that if those 12 spies would have come back and said man these, these people are big but this is what God said 
And if they would have inspired faith instead of fear, they would not have had to walk around for 40 years. Isn't that incredible? Jesus was trying to help us understand not to allow fear to interfere with your faith, but allow your heart to be full of trust in God. If you would, if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible in front of you, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter is a is a prime example of a person that could shift from faith to fear. After all, he was the one that saw Jesus walking on the water, was terrified, thought he was a ghost, and then when he said, hey, it's just me, he said, hey, can I come out and walk on water too? And, the, and Jesus said, come on. So he throws his legs over the side of the boat, starts walking, then looks down and sees the waves, and the anxiety of life got him. And he began to sink. Peter knows what it's like. For Jesus, he said, Lord, if they take you, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, anxiety took him and he denied the Lord three times. And yet, some 50 days later, he preaches the first sermon on the day of Pentecost and over 3,000 people are saved. That gives me hope, knowing that if I've allowed anxiety to overwhelm me, you're never finished. If God can use Peter, he can use us. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm almost finished. Aren't you happy? 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Here's Peter, and he's talking, and he says, Young men, in the same way, in the same manner, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Listen to this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you there's three things in here and I want to go through them fairly quickly number one is Peter's talking about how to overcome the anxiety of this life and how to live a godly life and how to be found in, in perfect contentment with peace don't you love peace in your life and he said the very first one is be submissive to those around you. Do you know submission is a, is a vital part of the Christian walk? Most of us struggle with the idea of submitting to Christ as Lord. I love him as my Savior, but I kind of want him to follow me anywhere I go and not, Lord, I'll follow you where you lead. Submission. Submission is obedience to Christ. And yet, here's the interesting thing. This is a passive term in this passage of Scripture. What Peter is saying, it's a choice that we make. 
that submission is a choice, that it's not going to be forced on you, that they're not going to beat you down until you submit. It's, it's a free will choice of your spirit that says, I, no one's forcing me, but I am going to willingly allow Christ to be Lord and Savior, that I will submit my spirit to him. If you want to overcome the anxiety in your life, number one is be submissive. The other one is uh, be humble. I love where uh, it says, the scripture talks about the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses, and yet I believe it's in Deuteronomy, it says that he was the most humble man ever made. And yet he wrote it. We'll move on. Humility. It's a, it's a humble opinion of yourself. It's really a deep sense of our littleness. Sometimes we think so much of ourselves that, that the more we think of ourselves, the less we think of others. And when people do things or say things or, or act in a certain way that's contrary to the way we think we should be treated, we get offensive or defensive. Scripture tells us that's where all the bickering and the fighting and arguing and, and all of that comes from is from our own lack of humility. Remember Philippians 2 where it talked about let, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ who made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant. What he was saying, what Paul was saying to the church in Philippi was Allow the humility of Christ to be yours. And here again, it's a passive term. It's something that you put on. It also lets me know that there are other thoughts and emotions that we must push aside if we are going to robe ourselves in humility. It's not something that comes natural to the carnal man but only comes through a relationship with Christ. And it's a choice that you have to make every single day. Obedience, humility. And we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. What does that simply mean? Allow God to lead. Allow God to direct you. But, but the problem with God directing is, have you ever noticed that he doesn't tell you the end? He just says, do this, and you have to trust him. Remember the children of Israel, they, they go across the Jordan, and the very first city they meet is Jericho. And it's a giant city. It's got, it has great walls around it. And, and the children of Israel are there, and they're wondering how they're going to... to conquer this city so they can have this land and God says hey I've got a plan Joshua get everybody to be silent and here's what I want you to do I just want you to walk around the city and then go home doesn't sound like a very smart plan to me and then God said I want you to do that for six days just once go around it go home then on the seventh day I want you to walk around seven times and, and then I want you to make a shout and then the walls are going to fall down. Isn't that amazing 
how sometimes God allows us to go through circumstances and we have to trust him. And that's what humility really is, is trusting in God's plan over ours. After all, Gideon had a lot of men that were willing to fight, but God said, my plan is 300. And I'll defeat the enemy with 300. So it's, it's obedience, it's humility, and it's dependence. Casting, throwing at, throwing on. It's learning to trust God in essentials that can be difficult. It's us throwing, actively laying our cares, our anxieties at his feet and, and, and acting and saying, I will be obedient to your word. I will be submissive and follow you. It's following God in circumstances. We have to make the decision to cast our cares, our anxieties on him. And it's a decision, not of the mind, but of the heart. This decision needs to be birthed in love and wrapped in trust. The weed of anxiety can overwhelm anybody. But Peter, which had struggled with it in his life, tells us, if we're obedient and we're humble and we take our anxieties and cast them on the Lord and trust in his ways over our ways, you will find perfect peace. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. And I have one minute to spare. Would you stand with me? We're going through this series because I really believe with all of my heart that God is looking for people that will just passionately follow him. He's not looking for perfection. He is not looking for ability. He is looking for hearts. Hearts that long after God. That's what he's looking for. And that's the people that he is going to use. And Jesus told us one of the things that can choke all of your truth out of your heart is the anxiety of life. Uh, I guarantee you that every person in here has something going on in their life whether it's a medical issue, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's an emotional issue, a family issue, something work-related, there's something going on in your life that's beyond your control that you can't fix, and it's bringing you some frustration. If we do like Peter suggested, and we're obedient and submissive to the Lord and cast those things, give them to him, the Bible says, cast your, all your cares on him, not just because he can handle them, but it says, because he cares for you. He wants the very best for all of us. He wants us to live a life that's full of the love and the peace of God.
pray with me?